On today's episode, we're going to conclude our interview series with one of our EGI members, Ben Carter. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, before we get started, I want to run a short clip from our Seizing the Summer series. This is a 16-week program that launches June 1st and goes on every Monday for 16 weeks. Why do we care? Why do we want to go through the headache of setting up the accounting system and the financial system to be able to break down the segments? I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Uh, those of you that have done it know that it's kind of a painful process for a lot of changes that occur inside of the business. But at the end of the day, what it gives you is it gives you accurate, quality data that you can then be, make insightful decisions. And so the analytics that we're looking for are really key. And that's what the KPIs are. The KPIs by segment are specific numbers that we know prove that we will produce a profit through the company's business model. So if you think about that, McDonald's knows what it costs to produce a hamburger. They know how to price it, and they can manage their business properly. They can go anywhere in the world and basically organize themselves and produce cash flow and produce profit. They can be successful because they have a formula. They have that recipe. So what I want you to understand is KPIs are part of the recipe. By department, the KPIs are going to differ. But at the end of the day, knowing what the financials tell you, that's how we have the ability to compare against the KPIs. So hey, if you're doing great, you know, that's fantastic. You probably already know your company's producing good cash flow. But if we got areas where we're not doing great, if we didn't have departments separated, uh, we would be bundling all that together. So we wouldn't have the separation of the recipe. We wouldn't know we were doing, you know, uh, had too much labor in one given area and that was impacting our ability to optimize. So again, recognize you don't have to have departmentalization to be successful. The point of departmentalization, the point of having KPIs is so that you can optimize your success. We're looking to produce that 20% cash flow and EBIT and the, and the basis of that is to be able to look analytically, you know, without emotion, without anybody's uh, opinion about what they think, really the data, the facts are telling you this is what's happening, this is how we're operating. Now, if you're a premium member, you already have access to this, so make sure you tune in. If you're not a premium member, go to egaa.org summer and learn all about it. Now, a while back, we had the chance to do a lunch with one of our EGI members out of Colorado Springs. Mr. Ben Carter runs SoCo Heating and Cooling. So we invited him over to chat with Gary Ellix and our team about everything regarding running an HVAC company. In this segment, Ben and Gary Ellix will talk about raising your labor rate and making sure you get out of your own way. Let's join Ben and Gary now. You know, it's funny you're talking about the Facebooks and posts and all of those things, and I'm pretty sure that I could get into a really heated argument with two years ago me over all of these things going <laughs> forward. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I couldn't even agree with my own headspace from the, that first year of, of being open. So, right, yeah. right, right. I, I mean, I, I refer to um, my service manager who's also a stockholder in the company on a regular basis. And I met him in 2006. And he and his wife, they sat, uh, it was in Phoenix, they sat in the front row of a class. And there's, we were talking about service pricing, there's service pricing was $75 an hour time of material. 
and you know the, the comment was made by me is you really you can't be profitable at $75 a time of material you just can't no matter what you do on the billing side of things you're just not going to be able to bill enough dollars at that rate to cover your overhead training hiring a tech you know tools depreciation of the vehicle all the different stuff with taxes and you know all of it that attaches to running a service company, the level of marketing and finding new customers. And uh, uh, he just was adamant that his customer base would never accept more than $75 an hour, that they did business with him because it was $75 an hour and they loved him. The, they loved him part was true. Um, he was just devaluing himself and he assigned a value uh, in his own mentality, his own mindset, that $75 was what the customer would pay. That's what his value was worth. And so, of course, his wife was sitting next to him, and she's literally elbowing him. And uh, she's a rancher, and so she's she's a pretty tough cat. And so she wasn't just elbowing him for, for uh, yeah, I told you so. I mean, she's elbowing him like, you're stupid. You need to change. You're not listening. And so we got to in a, a pretty heated discussion at a break. And he's like, they will, my customers will fire me. And I said, no, Chris, you need to be fired. You, you need to be fired from the responsibility of setting the prices. You're a technician. You should be responsible for doing the work. She should be in charge of pricing. You don't understand consumer behavior. You don't understand value proposition. And he said, yeah, that, that's, that, he's like, I don't agree with you firing me, but I agree with, I don't understand that stuff. I'm, well, that's the problem. That's the basis of the problem. Because you don't understand it, it's wrong. And that's not how it works in life. And so today, he's in charge of a $2.5 million service business that's running you know, somewhere around 40% operating profit this past month and over 20% for the year. Um, has about 8,000 service agreements. And the pricing is $394 an hour. And he's like a reformed alcoholic. Like He would be the first guy on this video that would tell you that uh, you guys are underpriced. I mean, and he, you know, so he, it's like he doesn't remember that conversation. Like we laugh about it now, but he's like, well, yeah, I might have said that. But today, you know, he's not only getting the price, but the company, you know, the service business is bigger than what the overall business was back in that time frame. Just the service alone, not including anything else. And so what happened? And what happened was at some point, he came to the realization that what he wanted was not going to happen with where he was current, his current position in life, his pricing, his ideas, they had to change. So I'm, I chuckle when you say that you would argue with their two years ago <laughs> self. Well, I mean, that's Chris too. He would say, well, yes, I did say that and I did believe that at one time, but now I see that you know, other things are possible because what you want and I think with EGIA and I think what you want with any organization is you want ideas and you want to filter those ideas and they should be filtered based on your business plan. So what we talk about uh, as an idea isn't right for every company. It's an idea and what you should do is you should filter that and it should be based on your company plan, your goals, you know, what you want to accomplish, your profit targets, and then so you can take an idea when you're ready for it and move it into your prioritization. I think the problem in the Facebook groups and the networks and organizations is, you know, we, we want to put you in a box, and it's not a box. 
it's simply an idea. You put yourself in a box. Chris was in his own box. He couldn't get out past the $75, you know, until one day he decided that those walls are self-inflicted. All I have to do is walk out of the box. And once he was mentally ready for that, you know, the rest of it is, is there. So he owns a 2,000 acre ranch. He's got a couple hundred head of cattle. Uh, his, his rebates that we get back from the suppliers are much bigger checks for him than he was making in the salary of the business, just in the rebate. Yeah, I mean, so things have changed for them in life, but he changed first. And I think that would be the overriding message to most of the people out in the trade is, um, they're their own worst enemies with their mindset. Their belief systems are in the way, and they, they have listened to people who really don't give them good advice, okay? So the concept of what you can accomplish is uh, really only limited by what you're able to visualize. And so what we try to do with anybody is just get them to say, well, what do you want? What, what are you trying to accomplish? And there's no right or wrong to that. It really comes down to just understanding all right, now I've got to chop wood, now I've got to do the work. Now I've got to figure out how to actually do, solve the problems. And the solutions are out there. Like we've, we've, there are thousands of solutions to any problem. You just have to pick the one that works best for you and your company. And you have to keep doing that over and over and over again. So it's taken us almost seven years to uh, re-engineer that business and get it to where it's printing money and we have now, operating partners, and we have people that are managers that are stockholders now. We've got people that are going to be multimillionaires. You know, if we sell that business one day, they're going to be multimillionaires. And that's because they were chopping the wood, but they were a part of something that had a process to it. it has, we have a business plan. We reestablish our goals every year. There's a long-term set of goals. And it's a process that we're teaching, you know, to Ben. And, and so when Ben uh, masters that, uh, hopefully he passes that forward to the next person in his world. So um, that's how it works. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we have a tendency of undervaluing ourselves in a big way. And that has a lot of other repercussions that get out there. It's hard to ask for what you're actually worth if you haven't convinced yourself that you're worth that. Yep. It, it's 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 really difficult. It's really funny too because some of those first conversations that 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 you and I had had resulted in me essentially doubling the cost of my equipment in my installs and things. And my thought was, well, I'm, nobody's going to go with this. I'm going to sell like one in ten, and hopefully I can make enough off of it, you know. And it was really funny because what actually ended up happening was the close rate went up with the higher prices. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was really surprising. And I think, I think uh, if, when you're out there trying to be the cheap guy and be a quality guy, people are like, well, you can't be both. And so they just assume that you're full of it and they don't go with you. So, yeah. Yeah, now probably the most popular thing that we hear on the phones when people call in to schedule, you know, something is, well, you, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the lowest price, but I definitely think you guys are the ones that we want to have do the work. You created a level of trust. You know, you get, you get uh, trust, you know, is based on that emotional connection that says that um, I believe in you, I believe, I believe in you personally. I, I like you, you know, to the degree that you seem like an individual that is trustworthy. Um, you're, what you're saying makes good common sense. 
the discussion about how you're going to do the work, you know, is there. They can check on you. We all know that the digital age is here. Oh, yeah. So people are going to check your Facebook feed. They're going to check reviews. They're going to look out there and see well, what what's are other people saying in the network about this company? And that validates what I, I, I like you, I trusted you, but I found that everybody else said nice but things So did too. all of these pretty, people. Yeah. So it's a, it, it's a check mark that says, oh, okay, um, my emotional side of this works, I trust you. So it's not about the price. Mm. No. It's about whether they believed in you. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, I, 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 the fee that I charged you for consulting I doubt that you thought too much about the actual price of the fee. The question is, did you think that you were going to get help? Yeah. And if you think you're going to get help, then the price isn't that relevant. It's relevant in the sense if you did get help, then you'd say, well, I didn't like that. That was overpriced. And I think that's where we're at in today's world is most of the contractors don't understand that particular concept, that they can price their product and services just about anywhere they want. They have to prove, though, that they're actually the choice. They have to learn to get along with people, to, bit, to, to cross that emotional credibility uh, juncture when you're selling. Right, right. And uh, do people trust you? Do they like you? And then do they believe in what you're saying? Can you back it up with some, some form of logic? And uh, most people just, um, it's easier. Well, so my friend Wally, uh, well and long always likes to say this. I don't know if he originated it or if it came from somewhere else, but it's not that it's hard, it's just easier not to. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's 100% when we talk about raising prices. I mean, you could, I could raise your prices in five seconds. Yeah. So that's not a hard thing to do, but you know, you still got to go out and communicate and you got to do the work. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I'd agree. That's the. That's, uh... It's just easier not to. <laughs> it's not hard to work out, but it sure is easier to sit on the couch. Yeah, excuses are a lot, a lot easier than movement, yeah. you know, whatever that is. Which, is, which gets back to uh, having a plan, setting up your goals, uh, understanding how to control what you think about, uh, narrowing the people in your universe that you hang out with, uh, spending your time around people that are uh, have reached a place where you would like to reach. This is this is a common theme that I talk about with a lot of people that I mentor, which is stop hanging around with people that you want to hang around with. Start hanging around with people that have accomplished what you wanted to accomplish. I mean, that's that's what you want to study. Um, so if you want you know to get something, you'd like to hang around with somebody that's actually already done that. And so you can check in and say, well, what were the struggles? You know, wh what would you do differently? What mistakes did you make? You know, what did you do well? And there's context, and you begin to become more like the people you hang around with. So if you're hanging around with people that are billionaires, you're going to start thinking like a billionaire. If you're hanging around with people that basically are underpriced and impoverished, and you're spending your time on Facebook with people that are $500,000 businesses, um, you, I mean, if that's where you're going to spend your time, again, no judgment, no criticism, but you will begin to pick up those habits. You'll begin to think that way. Yeah. And I think that's the challenge in our trade is dad taught me how to do it this way. So that's my belief system. And so then any other way, you know, can't possibly be right because this is what I was trained on. And so what we have to do 
what our challenge, of course, is always you know breaking that habit and saying, well, you can you can kind of do whatever you want, you know. I mean, Starbucks is charging seven dollars for a cup of coffee. Yeah. And McDonald's is charging a dollar fifty. Seven uh, Eleven's charging a dollar. They're all successful, but one is more successful than the other, you know. Um, so I think you just have to decide what your goals are and what you want to do. And my mother-in-law used to tell this story about uh, this uh, lady used to uh, um, always go to cook her roast in a pan, and she would always cut off the ends of the roast and toss them out and put the roast in the pan. And um, somebody had asked her one time why she did that, and well, that's the way my mom taught me how to make it. And then one day, mom was over, and she was making dinner for mom, and she decided to make a pot roast. So she cuts the ends off of the pot roast, chucks them in the trash. Mom says, "What are you throwing away all the meat for?" She says, "Well, because that's the way you taught me to do it. You cut the ends off, and then you put it into the pan." She goes, "No." We were broke when you were younger, and that was the biggest pan that I had, so I had to cut the ends off so the roast would fit. And so. You know, it's a matter of people just do things and they don't even know why. You just get into this routine of this is what I do and, and you don't even consider the whys or the ramifications of it. So. Yeah, that's a great point. I have a friend up in Montana. He's an EGI member and I've known him for a long time. He actually came to the same boot camp that Chris came to in 2006. And he came for 10 straight years and he did not adjust his prices. He, he, he didn't follow the platform. Now, he is a one-man shop, mm -hmm. uh, one of the nicest people that you will ever meet. And uh, one day, uh, you know, I got a note from him that said, I've had enough. I'm fed up. I'm, I'm tired of, you know, I'm, I'm working all these hours. Uh, I can't afford to hire anybody. And, you know, my wife is kind of barking at me that, you know, I'm working all the time. I'm starting to miss kid time. And he said, I've, I've, I've decided I've had it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to raise my prices. And if I go out of business, so be it. But I've decided I'm going to do it. So I'm like, well, that's good. Congratulations. You're, you're, the pain of remaining the same finally exceeded the pain of the change. And so that's a cliche. It's a paradigm. And so he, uh, he raised his price. He's like, well, I need your help. Set, help me set the prices. And I'm like, you've already done it. You've done it for 10 straight years in the boot camp. <laughs> you don't need my help. <laughs> Just go get your file. And he's like, yeah, you're right. So he did. And he's like, well, this, this, is, this is your pricing. And I'm like, no, it's, it's my pricing that you it's filled like out. Pricing it's strategy your pricing strategy with yeah. your stuff. And so he raised his price from basically about $80 time and material. He, one of his challenges, he was time and material, he was gonna go flat rate. He understood he had to go to flat rate in order to get a higher rate. So he raised it to 350, which was a, that, I mean, that's a, that's not normally how I would recommend that you do it, but, but he was at that place where he was like, I don't care, I'm doing it. It's 350 or nothing. Yeah. And so he did it. And, uh, and so his business, to, to your point, he's like, uh, I thought everybody would be upset. Nobody even asked. It was never, they, he's like, there is no communication. The customers literally just said, fine, do it. And so he goes, uh, for 10 years, I've been leaving all this money on the table. I'm so angry at myself. I'm like, no, don't be angry. You, you weren't ready. You, when you were ready, you finally came to that place. And uh, so he's like, all right. 
he's like, you used to tell me all the time that don't make the decision for customers. Let the customer make the decision for themselves. Give them, give them the discussion. Let them be informed and make a decision. He's like, I'm going to start selling high-efficiency air conditioners up here in Montana. He's like, nobody sells 19s or 20 air conditioners, you know, SEER ratings up here. And I'm like, well, you should just offer it. I'm like, I, you may sell some, you may not, but let the customer make that choice. So he put, it, he, he put together his uh, credibility book. He put together his price book, which is similar to what we've talked about. And the first two jobs he went out on, people bought the 19-seer two-stage condensing unit from him. And the supplier didn't even carry him. And he's like, I, it's, it's, it's amazing. He's like, I just presented it. And they said, well, why wouldn't I want that? That seems like a better unit. And he's like, well, it is a better unit. It has a better warranty. It's quieter. It's two-stage. And he's like, all this time, I thought about it as a technician that it doesn't make sense in Montana to have a two-stage air conditioning unit because we don't have a lot of cooling hours. He said, but the consumer wanted what they wanted. They weren't worried about the technical benefit. They wanted the two-stage because they thought that was a better unit. Quality was more of the driving factor for their value chain. So anyway, now all he sells pretty much is 19s, which makes me laugh at the comment that you made, which is, well, you can be successful selling 13s in Montana, but you're going to be more successful if you sell 19 because it takes the same amount of time to install a 19 as it does a 13. Right. It's this, but, but the price and the margin is higher. And so now the supplier is stocking 19 specifically for him. So I was just up there uh, doing a boot camp, a, a company planning financial boot camp for a whole bunch of their customers. And all the people in the room were people that were similar to our relationship where years ago they started a process and all of them have implemented many of these disciplines and they're all making a lot of money and they're all starting to think about how do I transition and sell the business. So they're, they're a little farther down the continuum, uh, but I, the, the guy that I'm talking about was still in the room and so he had just hired his first technician. So he was finally making that progress, but it took him 10 years to make the first step. And so I think the lesson that we can take away from that is you can't make people do something. They'll do it when they're ready. And when they are ready, then we, our job is to provide them the answers, help them figure it out. Awesome content from Ben right there. Now, if you're interested in learning more about EGI membership, I encourage you to sign up for our 30-day free trial by clicking join at the top of this page. You can try out all of the online training programs absolutely free. We have videos and programs on every topic you can think of, such as leadership, financial structure, pricing, in-home sales, tech communication and selling, and much, much more. So sign up for a trial and try it out for yourself absolutely free. And if you're already a member, well, then you better be logging in and watching all these courses. Remember, training is like eating. You got to do it every single day. Well, folks, that's our show for this week. We will see you next week. Until then, bye-bye for now.